now you probably know what that music means. It means it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. On this Friday, I am Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam, and I am very glad to be with you again here on this Friday. I'm very grateful for everyone out there who is listening, and I want to be sensitive to my listeners. What we have to share today is a very important podcast, I believe, but it is also geared toward our more mature listeners. Um, This is really the first time I've given such a disclaimer, but because of some of the issues that we will be covering in this episode, I do encourage discretion, and so if you have young children in the room with you who are listening, I would encourage you to engage them elsewhere. Um, This is going to be clean and biblically based, but I just want to make sure that our bases are covered and that um, young ears are not exposed to too much too soon. But that being said, we do have um, something uh, important or some things important to discuss. And I just want to start out by saying, as Christians, we must be solid in what we believe um, and we should not enjoy avoid engaging in issues of importance in our culture. We must shine as lights to the world. And there's basically three topics that I want to address today. Um, And the first one is the issue of gun control. I know that after the the Newton uh, disaster in December, there was a lot of talk about needing more gun control and I'm going to say something to start out that might surprise some people. I am not totally against adding gun control. However, I will say this. We have a lot of gun control laws on our books. And I think what we need to be careful of is to not fly off the handle and say, oh, we need another gun law without clearly looking at the ones we already have and saying, are we enforcing the laws we have? Because I think something that happens quite often in our society and in the way our government runs things is we have a tendency to add a law on top of a law on top of a law without really evaluating the effectiveness of the laws that are in place. That's true. And if we were to take a wholesale look and say, where is the loophole when we evaluate every law, then that and then we felt like we needed another one, then I would be... For it, but that being said, I want to be careful that we are engaged in in dialogue that lets people know that we want to maintain our constitutional rights. Um, you know, the there's the Second Amendment, which is the right to bear arms and the right to form a militia uh, in the event of a treasonous government. And I think that we need to think about this. A lot of times, people will say, "Well, I'm pro hunting." You know, politicians will say, I'm pro-hunting, so that means your Second Amendment rights are, are safe. But but when we're talking about the Second Amendment, we're not talking about hunting, really. I mean, the, the, the people that wrote the Second Amendment were people that were used to hunting for their food. Mm-hmm. So it was fairly clear that the Second Amendment wasn't referring to to the right in itself to bear arms. That was a separate issue. And so I think we need to be clear on that. And I just want to talk to you a little bit about um, the 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 study that I found that was 
I think it was in the early 80s. It was done at a prison, and it was talking about criminals, talking about how they had been deterred by guns. And and this study says 34% admit that they had been scared off, shot at, or wounded, or even captured by an armed victim. 40% decided not to commit a crime because they knew or believed that the victim was carrying a gun. And 69% personally know other criminals who have been scared off, shot at, wounded, or captured by an armed victim. So I think that those numbers speak to a really clear distinction that people who are armed, citizens who are doing it right, who are armed, do deter crime. Uh, But again, I don't feel that this is a a carte blanche, uh, no holds barred, buy as many weapons that you want and stockpile them mandate. I do think we need to be responsible. You know, one of the things that the founding fathers based our whole independence on was the ability for us to know to be responsible to do the right thing. Freedom is not just the freedom to do what I want, uh, because what I want to do might actually hurt you, Adam. That's but, true. But freedom is to do what I ought to do. And that's really a biblical mandate as well, because God talks about the freedom that we have in Christ, but he, then he says, don't use your freedom to hurt one another, but use your freedom to love one another. And so I think there's application there. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this first topic? I do, yes. Uh, many thoughts, but it's only a 20-minute program. Uh, so you, you are sorry about the freedom part, and, you know, it's like in your garden when you want to maybe kill the weeds in your garden or in the driveway, you usually go for the root, right? The root of the problem. So the hard thing is, is I think a lot of people think, oh, get rid of guns, everything will be fine. And what happens is, is, is people can use their freedom, like God has given us free will, to make choices, and what happens is it's the people and their intentions that is what causes these tragedies and, and bad things. Because even if it's not a gun, it, it could be something else. So I, I've always thought that you can make a gun control law, and it may be a short-term fix, but someone's going to find a way around that if their intentions are already going sour. So I think the, the best way to really cut down on this, on this violence is not even so much gun control – uh, but what about like teaching self-control through uh, loving one another or, or making sure people don't get too bitter before they start making these actions like they do? So with gun control, you know, obviously you want to be re- responsible. You know, I, I know some people, uh, I know like my uncle, he, he has a gun collection, but it's in a safe and it's secure and he's being responsible about it, especially if you have kids or something. Like you said, Andrew, you got to be responsible. Um, but it, it goes a lot deeper than just how can we – limit gun sales or guns here around the country because unfortunately you know with that freedom it can be used for good as in for you know hunting for food or or just for uh, leisure or unfortunately people can do certain bad actions so i think looking at the intentions of people's hearts and how they're using their free will uh that that's the that's the big kind of problem to really pinpoint on yeah and i i think that that is very important you know the bible says in jeremiah chapter 17 that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Mm-hmm. And a few months ago, we did a podcast 
uh, in the very early days about the heart and about how following our hearts is not necessarily advisable uh, because our hearts can lead us astray and how we need to lead our heart, how we need to take aggressive action to make sure that our hearts are focused in the right way. And I think that guns, along with any number of issues like our computers, for instance, or our TVs, we decide what is going to go through those devices. That's right. Whether it's going to be something that builds us up or tears us down. So it's not the device itself that is bad, but it is the person that that operates it. And I think that if people had, I mean, back in the colonial days, you had 13, 14-year-old uh, young men who were charged with taking care of their whole families, especially if their mother was a widow. Mm-hmm. And they were they were expected to hunt, they were expected to gather, and they were expected to know how to work a firearm, you know, to protect their family as well. So right. I don't think it's it's necessarily about the fact that that we shouldn't use these. We just need to teach responsibility. It's mm-hmm. kind of like when the driving age lowered in Michigan essentially to 14 years and 9 months with the new driving tiered driving system, you were you were able to take driver's ed younger and everybody was like freaking out like I would never let my 14-year-old drive or whatever the case may be. But the problem isn't whether you drive at 14. The problem is the expectation of the 14-year-old before he had the chance to get behind a wheel. Right. And I think we've lowered the expectations for people. And so uh, by giving them access to guns or access to a car with the lowered expectations, that's where the problem comes in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the second issue that I want to deal with is the Kermit Gosnell trial. Um, for some of you know that over the last few months, this has been in the news a little bit, but it hasn't been in the mainstream media. And so basically, in summation, Kermit Gosnell has been on trial recently for killing babies who survive abortions. Mm. And they've found oh them in various situations and places where uh, you should never, you, they should never be found. And there's even been testimony from nurses that said that babies have been screaming when he, like, severed their spinal cord and things like that that are absolutely atrocious. But I'll tell you, one of the reasons this isn't happening in the mainstream media is because it hits too close to home. Uh, Because think about it. If you were to say that this is heinous as the media, then what's the difference, really, between that, what he's done... And what abortionists do every day. Uh, there's not. I mean, it, there's like six inches between the womb and the end of the birth canal. Right. And somehow we've we've tricked it out of our out of our minds and our hearts that if you make it down the birth canal, you are a human, you are entitled to rights. But if you don't, um, even if the the reason you don't is because we flip you over into a breech position so that we can then uh, jam forceps into your into your uh, back of your head and, and and suck your brains out, that means that you're not a a human being. Um, and so I'm not really surprised that this is happening because this is basically what we've asked for by allowing this to happen in our country over 40 years. And I know that was blunt, uh, but that's one of the reasons why this is uh, a mature show because I... I I'm charged 
with with being blunt and speaking the truth, even if it if it, even if it does hurt. And frankly, sometimes the truth does hurt. Um, but the proverb says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and the kisses of an enemy are deceitful." So I I could avoid talking about this, but I don't believe I would be fulfilling my calling before God. Adam, do you have any thoughts? I think that's right on the money. I really do because you know. Truth is truth. And, you know, I, I've heard things before from people where, you know, someone may say, well, like you said, it's just six inches between uh, where the baby is and the mother's womb compared to when it's born. And really, there's no difference. There's just skin and tissue that separates us from being in the womb to being there. It's all murder. It's all sin in God's eyes. I mean, there's there's no wiping it over or kind of sweeping it under the rug. I mean, it is murder. That's just the truth. And I think that's the big thing. And a lot of times nowadays, it's really easy, I think, for us to make excuses or even the word denial if we're being blunt. I think there's so much denial out there. And I can't believe with when you think about uh, babies being killed, being blunt again, and you, you deny that or you think, oh, that's okay. Uh, it's just it's, it's unfathomable to, to think of. So that that's the big thing. I mean, that is truth. It's not well. It's uh, family planning or it, it's uh, being responsible. It's it's murder, whether you like it or not. And especially in Jesus's eyes, who creates these little babies, can't imagine how he, how he must feel. So you know that is so true that it doesn't matter even if you're just uh, an hour old after conception, you're still alive. You're alive. And we we have science that backs up that, that there's life there. I mean, two weeks after conception, a heartbeat can be detected. Mm-hmm. And heartbeats don't come from dead things. Um, so we need to keep that in mind. But I also, and I've talked to Adam a little bit about this too, is that I think we as Christians bear some of the responsibility because we, even we as Christians don't necessarily uh, have the right attitude about children because we think, well, we should only have them when it's convenient. Um, we should only have them when we can afford them, and I think that's that's a lie of the devil in its own way. I think one of the reasons that we get into that mindset is because we, we think, well, if I have a child, I need to give them the best, so I need to be able to afford all the best clothes, all the best schools, and I'm not saying that stuff is bad necessarily, but if but if you're thinking about material things and providing material things for your babies and saying that that's why I can't have more than two or three, then I think you have the wrong focus um, instead of a kingdom focus that says, in, in my uh, in my humble opinion, that I will accept however many children God gives me and uh, accept that as a charge that I can lead that many people uh, into an understanding of the kingdom of God. And I know my parents who raised 11 children said that God always pays for what he delivers. And we've seen that happen. And, and I just want to encourage uh, people out there to have the attitude of Jesus when it comes to children. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And I think that if the world sees us having a better attitude about children, uh, they're going to maybe start to scratch their head and, and realize that there's something to this blessing of children. Amen. Absolutely. And I think it's a good reminder, too, maybe if you're you're getting married or you've had your first one or two and you're like, oh, I'm getting tired or something. But just to keep remembering, OK, what does God want from me? Does he want me to have, you know, over five, four or five kids or 
is the focus more of, well, what do I want? And I think we know out of those two questions which one is more more humble, more honorable, which one God would want us to do. Not to feel like you have to do it, but it's just a, it's just a, re- a respecting God thing, you know, because he knows what's best and he has a plan for us. Absolutely. And the third and final topic that I want to mention it could perhaps be the most controversial, but I think it's necessary. Um, I was reading uh, in my research that uh, Gallup polling, which is a popular polling service, in 2012 said that 3.4% of Americans identify themselves as gay or homosexual. Now, this is a tough topic. Um, a lot of people today are talking about gay marriage. The Supreme Court is is studying this issue, and I want to be sensitive and careful, but I also want to speak the truth here. Uh, I think it's very hard for a lot of people to understand this. This is Gallup polling. It's a respected poll, and they're saying 3.4% of Americans are gay. Um, although, with the way the media covers it, they would have you believe that it's mainstream. Uh, but the highest percentage that I found on any of the studies was 10%. So even if I were to concede that it was 10% of America, that's still not a very big segment of the America in which we live. And 32 states have said we want in our state constitution that marriage, marriage is between a man and a woman. And the biggest reason for that is that marriage was ordained by God to be between a man and a woman. Uh, he created a woman to be man's helper because a man was incomplete without God. Women are different from men. Uh, I still don't understand them. I'm hoping <laughs> to get some monicum of understanding before the end of this life. But but women are different from men because we need them to have a complete life, whether it is by marriage, whether it's because we have a mom or whatever the case may be, men need women. And so God didn't mess around when he knew and he knew what he was doing. Um, and this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 about the issue. It says the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Now, there's a lot in this passage, but I think there's a couple things I want to bring out. Number one, a God-ordained marriage to be for life. Uh, there are instances where it's not. Marriages do fall apart, and I don't want to s- sit here and, and try to, you know, guilt everybody that's ever been divorced. But but divorce was not God's plan. 
God says, I hate divorce. And so the first thing I want to bring up is that we as Christians need to uphold the values and ideals that God has for marriage. And we're, we're really, in a lot of ways, doing a poor job because I know many Christians who, for what, one reason or another, have, have chosen the route of divorce. And we need to be very careful to guard our marriages against that. And that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is that when we approach uh, homosexuals, it can be easy to look down on them and say, um, you just need to stop this activity because it's sin. Just stop today. And I think we need to understand and acknowledge that um, the homosexual tendency is a legitimate struggle. It's not something that you can necessarily just stop. I'm pr- I know that I have struggles with sins that I'm still struggling with to this day, and I need God's grace to deal with them, and I need to continue the battle. I don't give in to a sin because it's a struggle for me and say, oh, that's an acceptable pattern of life, so I'm just going to do it because I don't need to struggle against it because it's just something that I deal with. Mm-hmm. I still battle against it, but but I I need to acknowledge that I'm weak and that apart from the grace of God, I can't deal with it. And I think that's the approach that we need to have about this issue too, that there are people that that struggle with that issue and they need help from people that can help them. And Focus on the Family actually has a ministry called Love One Out where they minister to homosexuals and help them to get out of the lifestyle. And uh, so it can happen, but we need to acknowledge uh, the struggle and get people help where we can and love them into the kingdom, Uh, but definitely not being hateful and not spewing venom at them because of their struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if we have a minute, you know, going on that, what you said about uh, uh, kind of ministering to them a little bit, not just looking down on them because we all sin. I remember reading a magazine, I think it was a year and a half ago, and it was a article on uh, on homosexuality. And it was kind of saying, what causes this? What causes that? And I, I don't know why, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to just, I guess, read this, give it a chance, I guess, because it was back when things were really starting to come out with homosexual support and all this stuff. And as I was reading, it really took me for a loop because it was talking about how it was somebody who was in homosexuality and then now they're married with kids to a woman. So he had coming out of that. And what had happened was he realized as he got older and was kind of having help with it and praying through it that he had not had a good relationship with his father. He felt very distant. He didn't have that, that, that touch and that closeness and that uh, feeling that his father was, you know, watching over him and, and taking care of him and guiding him. And, you know, I've heard other stories too that go along with that article about uh, with women who feel like maybe their mom was, was too tough on them or they didn't feel close to their mother, they didn't have a mother. And what it really is is uh, homosexuality is people who didn't get that love or that closeness or that protection from their mother and father they needed. And it, it made me a lot more sympathetic instead of just, oh, these people want to live this life because they're sinful or I don't understand why they're choosing this. This is crazy. But it really got me sympathetic, not in the sense of, oh, I'm going to support homosexuality now, but in the sense of they need prayer. They need healing. They, they need to be helped because really what homosexuality is is pretty much you're looking at a man or woman who's attracted to the same sex because they didn't get that love and that care from their 
mothers and fathers that they needed as in God designed for the family. And nowadays, homosexuality is uh, approached and shown as such a different spin. Like it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. And really, it's people who are hurting so deeply. And it, it really got me thinking as a Christian, as other people, it's like, that's right. We have to dislike the sin, but love the person and pray for the person. Oh, absolutely. And, and there are exceptions to that because there are people that have a family with two loving parents who who have those tendencies, who are dealing with those. But again, uh, it is a struggle and they need to have people come alongside them and acknowledge that they're struggling and help them. Because I think part of it is we, we, and we all struggle with this, where there's certain sins that we wouldn't want to bring up to a lot of people because they would immediately say, well, you should just stop. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because this is bad. That's the immediate stop and, or get over it. Or... And we already know that in our heart of hearts that we need to stop. And so what we don't need somebody to berate us for it. What we need is someone to come alongside and say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to hold you accountable, but I'm going to do it from a spirit of restoration, from a spirit of this is something that it's important to me to make sure that you succeed as a, as a believer. And I think that, that our whole attitude and how we address things is perhaps the most important aspect of some of this stuff as we as we deal with it in hopefully a biblical and loving way. Absolutely. Amen. Well, Amen. We've, well we've dealt with a lot of tough issues today, um, but we thank you for listening. I hope that you've been benefited. Maybe you've been given some tools to address this issue um, more effectively within your culture or to respond when it's addressed directly to you. Uh, please know that I'm not even necessarily advocating that you need to um, go out in public and, and make positions known on these things, but you need to know the seriousness of these issues, and you need to be able to engage uh, when these come up, because they will come up. And I think it's important for us to be equipped to take stands for the Lord when necessary. Uh, I promise you that we're going to be getting into some lighter fare in the future, uh, it won't be too long before I'll be able to release the titles for the Speaking for Him uh, book club for 2013 and 14. So please uh, be uh, listening for that. I am about one title away, so if anybody has any ideas for a good uh, Christian growth title and they would like to participate by giving me an idea, uh, they can contact me at andrew at speakingforhim.com or hit up the Facebook page and converse there about what you'd like us to read as part of that club. So there will be more in the future. Make sure you like the page. You know, when we hit 100 likes, we're going to give another giveaway. And I know we have one happy winner already. We'd like to add you to the list. So this is Andrew Gomison saying, have a great weekend and keep serving the best master.